6. 2 Kings chapter 6. I tell you, hearing music three times on Sunday morning is just about more than a person can stand. Amen. <laughs> Whew, somebody just needs to hold my mule and we just need to have a fit. Ah. 2 Kings chapter 6, as we continue through, if you're one of our guests this morning, thank you for being here. We're going through the book of 2 Kings. We finished 1 Kings, and now we're on 2 Kings chapter 6. Beginning in verse 1, would you stand please in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. The Bible says, And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold now, the place where we dwell with thee is too small for us. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan. Take thence every man a beam, and let us make us a place there where we may dwell. And he answered, Go ye. And one said, Be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them, and when they came to Jordan, they cut down wood. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water. And he cried, and he said, Alas, master! For it was borrowed. And the man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place. And he cut down a stick and cast it in there, and the iron did swim. Therefore, said he, Take it up to thee. And he put out his hand and took it. Father, thank you this morning for the joy to be in your house. Thank you what we've already seen earlier in two services. Lord, I'm asking you this morning, begging you, pleading with you, Hide me behind the cross. Cleanse me from sin. Let people see you and not me. God, may they hear your word today, and may it speak to our hearts. And God, help us to be one who would not just hear it, but help us to obey it, whatever you might be asking us to do. And in the name of Jesus, I pray these things. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Gehazi had just left. Uh, in shame and dishonor. You remember Naaman had the leprosy. He comes to the prophet of God. Elijah tells him, sends a servant out to tell him, go duck in the Jordan River seven times. He does that. He's clean. He's pure again. He comes to the man of God. He said, this one thing I know, there's only one God, and that's the God of Israel. We still need to know that today. We ought to reiterate that to folks every day. There's only one God. I don't care what anybody else says. I'm telling you, there's only one God. And uh, he's the God of Israel, Jehovah. What is wonderful to me is to read the, the verse prior and to read the next verse. Now, remember, verses and uh, chapters and verses were put in by humans. God breathed the, the script. But uh, man put in chapter 6, verse 1, and chapter 5, verse 27. Man did that because otherwise I'd have to say, now turn in your Bibles to the place where the axe swam. And you'd have to spend your time looking for it. So this way, if you just learn the books of the Bible, hallelujah, uh, you'll know exactly where to go. And you know 2 Kings comes after 1 Kings. So... 1 Kings chapter 5, verse 27 says, The leprosy therefore of Naaman shall cleave unto thee and unto thy seed forever. It's not enough that it's going to cleave to him. It's going to cleave to his seed in generations too. And he went out from his presence, a leper, as white as snow. 
And the sons of the prophets, remember there's no division here, the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold now, the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us, too small. I find that ironic. You say, preacher, what's ironic about that? I tell you, when you get rid of the false prophets and you get rid of all the naysayers and you get rid of all the negative people who are constantly saying, we can't do it, we can't do it, we can't do it, the church can move on and grow. When the false prophet got off the picture, the church began to grow. Hallelujah. I've seen that happen. Sometimes, and I'm not saying here, you, you guys are wonderful. You know, let me clarify myself. But I've seen some churches that needed a good backdoor revival. I mean, they, they're, they're just strained. They're just strangled. The church of God ought to be a growing church. It ought to be a concern to every one of us that this church continues to grow. How is the thing to be done? They proposed not to have a bazaar or a cake sale. They said, let's go to work. Let's get some axes. Let's go down there and let's cut down some trees and let's build us a house bigger than what we've got so that we can worship the Lord. And then he says, would you go with us? Let me tell you, a leader that won't be in the middle of his troops is not a great leader. He says, yes, I'll go. Now, to some, it acted like it wasn't no big deal. But I want to tell you, to this one person, he said, I pray thee, go with us. Don't just say go, but you go with us. Moses prayed like this. He said, Lord, if you're not going to go, I'm not going. (laughs) I'll just stay right here. Lord, if you're not going to go, I don't want to go either. The Word of God says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. The Bible says, Except the Lord build the city, they labor in vain that build it. The man is chopping down a tree, and the unexpected happened. Now, it's unexpected for him. I've chopped down a lot of trees with axes. I tried to knock that axe head off. (laughs) Done everything I could to knock that thing off. (laughs) But he's not like that. He left for a purpose. It wasn't sightseeing. It wasn't a hobby. He was going there for the work of God. He left to cut down trees. And when the axe head falls into the water, he can swing all he wants to, but he's not going to cut down any trees. This man's doing what's right. He's doing his best. He, and he loses his axe head. He didn't do it on purpose. But I want to tell you something. We're in, in a day today. I know with all of this pandemic and everything and we want to blame this one and we don't want to do that and we don't want to do this and we do that you can blame it doesn't matter if he did it on purpose or if it was an accident he don't have an axe head and when you don't have an axe head you can't do the work it's sometimes along the way trying to do what's right trying to live a godly life we lose our axe head we lose our cutting edge, our fire, our, our drive, our vitality, our, our passion, our get up and go for God. We lose it. Maybe there's been a time in your life when you were pressing toward that upward way, as the song says. New heights I'm gaining every day. But now, it's kind of lousy. Mm. Could go either way. Word of God says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, that we're to, beloved brethren, be you steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Because you know it's not in vain. You're swinging 
you're singing, you're praising the Lord, you're worshiping, but somewhere along the way, you lost your ax head, maybe right in the middle of church. You're still swinging, you're still singing, you're still, but, but, but you're not ch- cutting anything down. You're not chopping a tree down. Uh, Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians 9. He said, I want to run the race, but I, I want to know where I'm going. I don't want to just run in circles. He said, I want to win the fight, but I don't want to beat against the air. I, I want to hit. Listen, if I'm going to swing an axe, I want to hit something. I want to cut something down. If you've lost your cutting edge, you've lost your fire, you've lost your fervency for the Word of God, you've lost your love for God, I've got good news this morning. You can get it back. It's not gone forever. You can get it back. Let's look at how you get it back. Number one, it requires a serious response. Mm. He said, In verse 5, as one was felling the beam, the axe head fell into the water, and he cried. He said, Alas, Master, for it was borrowed. (laughs) He didn't say, Oh, well, (laughs) guess I'm not going to work today. Whoops. Get a vacation today. No, no. Could, Could I tell you this morning that life is serious? It's not a game. Listen, those of you who are gamers who've gotten used to hit that replay button and that reset button, there's no reset on life. What you do today is done today. There's no reset. It's not a game. You say, well, I kind of look at it as a game. Well, ask that Christian in the Ukraine this morning if they think life is a game. You ask that mother who is carrying suitcases and trying to corral three or four kids together to escape the bombing if life is a game. You ask that daddy who kissed his wife and children by to go off to fight, probably knowing he's not going to come back. You ask them if it's a game. You ask the president of the Ukraine who stands there defiantly And people are saying, well, you need to go here. You need to go there. He said, I don't need a ride. I need ammunition. You ask him if you think life is a game this morning. This is serious business. I don't want to get too political here, but let me go ahead and get a little political. Some of you are going to like this. No, you no, 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 no. I'm going to stick with the Word of God. I just want to... I just need to warn people of some things. I think preachers still ought to do that. If America ever needed a reason to know why we needed the Second Amendment and to keep our guns, we've seen a perfect reason this week. He had a broken spirit. Alas, it concerned him. It, it, it broke him. You're not reading your Bible anymore. You're not praying like you used to pray. You're not witnessing like you did five years ago. I, I'm not just asking you if you lost it. Bless God, we know you lost it. I'm asking you, are you concerned that you lost it? Does it bother you? that your relationship with Christ is not like it was. 
Does it bother you that preaching doesn't bother you anymore? Does it bother you that you're not seeking after and thirsting after righteousness? Does that bother you? Because see, it bothered this man. He's upset. He, 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 listen, if we're going to see God move again, it's going to take more than just sermons by preachers and people in the pews. It's going to take more than just a schedule to keep us on time. It's going to take some men and women, some young people, some boys and girls to say, hey, when I'm not where I once was, it bothers me now. Or, hey, we got plenty of time. He had a broken spirit. He also had a goofed up stewardship. <laughs> this thing was borrowed. It was borrowed. Can you see him as he's swinging and that axe head flies off and he's saying, No! I mean, he's upset. Alas, that's a word for, oh no, it's a bad thing. It wasn't even mine. There's somebody back at the house expecting him to bring that thing back. I had a neighbor. Many of you know him. I can go ahead and call his name now because he's dead. Corky Craig. He had everything. Had everything. And would loan me anything. I remember one time Jason was going to college, and I was saying something about I was looking for a refrigerator. I got one. Don't worry about a thing. I got one. We went out there and drug that thing in, plugged that thing in, blowed every breaker in the house. I said, no, nah, Corky, I, I tell you what, this, this one's on you. Everything I ever borrowed from Corky, it tore up. And I felt like I had to buy him another one because I needed to carry it back. So he, he, he reinvented his own inventory just from me. If, you, if you've lost the axe head, you can't do any work. It's gone. Your life, listen, yourself, your life is not yours. Do you understand that your life is borrowed? It's loaned to you today. The Bible says, Know ye not that you're the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Your time, your talents, your treasures, they don't belong to you, they belong to God. He has loaned them to you. I give this guy credit for one thing. It's a big thing. At least when the axe head flew off, he quit chopping. You say, preacher, what are you talking? I'm telling you, there's a lot of people chopping at trees today with nothing but a handle. And they're going through the rituals and they're going through the routines and they're sweating and they're working for God and everything, but there's no fruit because there's no axe head. They lost the cutting edge. <laughs> he at least, he at least, bless God, stopped cutting. When the prodigal son saw that he had lost, what he had lost, he went back to the father's house. When he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants does my father have? They're not eating out of the pig pen. They're being taken care of. I'm going to go back and tell my father I just want to be a servant. Now, you and I know that when he went back, 
The father greeted him with open arms. Could I tell you this morning, if you'll come back to God, he's not going to make you slave. He's going to take you in as a son. Well, one day, we're going to stand in judgment. Some of you in this place this morning, there's only, well, there's more, but there's two major judgments. One of them is called the white throne judgment. And you're thinking, ooh, white throne judgment, that sounds pretty good. A white throne, that sounds great. No, that's where people are cast into everlasting fire. If you make that judgment, there are no more judgments. Hmm. Those are the people who have never trusted Christ and had a relationship with Christ. There are going to be a lot of good people down there. There going to be a lot of Baptists down there. there going to be moral people down there. There going to be people down there that would give you the shirt off their back. But they never trusted Christ. Never had a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'll tell you this morning, we had a Holy Ghost time in that first service over here and the second one too. Many of y'all know Skip, Skip Thomas. Man, have mercy. Came down this morning and he said, I thought I lost the ax head and I thought I found it. But the problem was I thought I found it and it wasn't supernaturally from God. Got saved this morning. Not a better man in this church than Skip Thomas. Do anything in the world for you and makes good biscuits. <laughs> One day you're going to stand before the white throne judgment or you're going to stand before the Bema seat judgment. Now, when you stand before the Bema seat judgment, you're going to give an account not for your sin because your sins have been wiped away, they're gone. Past, present, future, they're gone. You're going to give an account. For when God says, I gave you a voice, and you wouldn't even sing in the choir. Well, they expected me to come on Wednesday night to rehearsal. I like to just ad-lib. I've been at churches that ad-libbed. <laughs> Trust me, these people spend time in rehearsal. They're here in the morning by 7.15, every Sunday morning, 7.15. Hmm. God's going to say, I gave you all this time and what you did. You sat and watched Murder, She Wrote all day long. The relationships, the Saturdays I gave you, we're going to give an account for what we've done for the glory of God. It's a serious response. But not only is it a serious response, the Word of God also says that it's an intentional going back. The man of God said in verse 6, Where fell it? And he showed him the place. He cut down a stick, cast it in there, and the iron did swim. Therefore said he, Take it up to thee. And he put it out of his hand and took it. Hmm. He needed some help. But just because you need help don't mean you'll get help. There's a lot of people today need help. But just because they need help don't mean they're going to get help. Listen, don't get mad, young people, if your mom and dad are trying to raise you in a godly home. Don't get mad at that. Good gracious, you ought to thank God for that. Hey, don't get mad, adult, if some other Christian comes up to you and says, hey, 
you're, 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 you don't have the joy you had a year ago. Is there something I can help you with? I don't have nothing. Don't get mad. Don't get mad when the preacher preaches a sermon you don't like. You need somebody to remind you that serving God is still right. It is still the best life there is. There's no better life than being a Christian. No better joy than seeing smiles on people's faces. He said, where'd you drop it? Preacher, I I don't have any joy. Well, what were you doing when you had joy? Preacher, I don't have any peace. Well, what were you doing when you had peace? Preacher, church is not fun anymore. I don't know what happened. I know what happened. Nothing happened at church. It happened in you. The Bible's still true. It's still being preached, and God is still good. And we need to sit down with people and say, listen, here's what you need to do. Oh, I didn't really come here for that. I know we're living in a changing world. Things are shifting every day. Things are happening. But there's some things that don't change. This word is forever settled. Not going to change. Our God is not going to change. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. He's still able to get you out of the mess you're in. He's still worthy of all your praise. If you want what you once had, go back to where you lost it. If your joy came because you opened the Word of God, then go back and open the Word of God. If your peace came because you were in a life group and folks encouraged you and they, you, you realized you wasn't the only one who had problems, everybody in that class got problems. But what an encouragement to lift each other up. Go back where you, where you left it. Jacob had to go back to Bethel in Genesis 35, the prodigal son back to the father's house. You got to deal with the thing that caused you to lose your power. And I will tell you, I'm not a great prophet, but I would dare say that most of us in this building today, what we really need to do is go home, find us a broom closet, and lock the door. And don't come out till we've met the Lord. Till we know he's there. Till we sense his presence. Maybe you can come to this altar and do that. Maybe you got another decision you can do. Maybe you need to be saved. Maybe you need to join this church. Maybe you need to recommit your life. I, I'm, but maybe you just need to get back with God. Maybe this morning you just need to to know that God matters more than anything else. I've used this illustration a thousand times in this church, but there are some of you that are new and don't know it. (laughs) If you're not, just sit here in awe. If I went home today and told my wife, honey, you're the number one lady in my life. I know her like a book after 45 years. She's not going to say, I'm so thankful. She's going to say, who's the number two lady in your life? (laughs) Huh? Listen, God don't want to be number one in your life. He wants to be everything. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. You can't put God one, two, three. No, God's everything. 
When He is all that matters to you, all of your life will fit together. Maybe this morning you need to realize worship is not something you do on Sunday morning, but it's something that you do 24 hours a day, seven days a week, worshiping the King of kings and Lord of lords. Maybe. Mm. It just needs to be a time you come to your life and say, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry for giving you all the less leftovers the last few years. And I'm going to give you my best. I'm going to give you my best. See, some of you older people think that you can't do anything because you've gotten older. You know, what, you know what these kids, now she's got 100 plus kids over there this morning running around like Comanche Indians. I mean, if the sheetrock's still on the wall, it'll be a major victory today after church. And do you know that what a lot of those needs is just to see an older man or woman that will put their arm around them and love them? Now, many of them come from great homes and all of that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, in the house of God, those kids ought to feel like this is the palace. They ought to feel great. They ought to want to come to the house of God. And the truth is, I'm, I'm, I know. You know, I put on uh, Facebook last night, every one of y'all think you've got secrets until that Sunday school teacher asked for prayer requests in the children's department. <laughs> you ain't got no more secrets. They tell the truth. Some of you parents are here this morning because your kids woke you up and said, I want to go to church. Mm. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. There, there's definitely got to be a serious response. Life is not a game. There's got to be an intentional going back. And then thirdly, there's got to be a supernatural cure. You can't do it on your own. This is supernatural. You ever seen a uh, axe head float? Uh, you ever seen one swim? The Bible says this was swam. I can't hardly swim with two, e two legs and two arms. I go under like a rock. This is a solid steel axe head, and it's swimming on top of the water. That's a supernatural cure. And I love, I, I wish I had time. I don't have time. <laughs> uh, ought to take time. I, no, I won't. If you go home and you look at Zechariah, you look at Jeremiah, you look at Isaiah, you're going to find out what this stick, this branch represents. It's the Lord. I mean, when he come down, the Bible says that he came down. Where'd you, where'd you drop it at? Over here. Oh, so he took out his wand and woo, woo, says some ritualistic square over it and bang up it comes no the bible says he cut out a stick and put the stick in the water that's the same resemblance of jesus going in whatever you're troubled with this morning you're not by yourself the lord's here with you i thank god for christian colleges i have attended three of them I thank God for a Christian mama and daddy. I was enrolled on the day I was born. 
They come to the hospital. I've been to every WMU meeting, every Sunbeam meeting, everything you can think of from the time I was born. I thank God for church. I thank God for godly people. Many of you in this place today are, are mentors to other younger people, and I praise God for that. But I want to tell you, I'm here today because of God. It's because of God. I had one tell me, I, I'm looking forward to August. My favorite preacher's going to be there. I'm going to be right there. I'm going to be right with God. I can't wait. I'm thinking, you... Huh? <laughs> like God going to fly this guy down here just so you can get yourself right with God. No, maybe what you need to do is just open the Word of God. Or maybe what you need to do is just listen to the preacher you got. But there's one thing you do need to understand. You better listen to me. Uh, this is not good English. But it ain't the man, it's the master. You better learn that. I don't care who's up here if he's preaching the truth. It's the master who we need, not the man. I mean, good grief, what a miracle. What do you say when a miracle happens? I, I, I say shazam. <laughs> There's some of you here today, you don't think you can get your axe head back. Preacher, you don't know what I've done. You don't know how many people have lost faith in me. You don't know how many times I've embarrassed myself and my family. You don't know how many times people have invested in me and I've let them down and let them down and let them down. My God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He's omnipotent. That means he's all-knowing. He's omniscient. He's, uh, no, that means he's all-powerful. He's omniscient, that means he's all-knowing. And he's omnipresent, that means he's everywhere all the time. He's right here with you and with me. And he's over at my house keeping my chili from burning right now. He's eternal. He was, he is, and he is to come. And listen to me, it doesn't matter how many times you've messed up. It doesn't matter how many times you've failed. It doesn't matter how many times you've slept through my sermons. Reach over and wake somebody up. It doesn't matter how many times you've played on that phone when you think nobody was watching. None of that makes any difference. I'm here to tell you today that if there's oxygen in your lungs and the Holy Spirit is dealing with you, you can get your axe head back. You can get your axe head back. I, uh, I got a lot of questions I want to ask the Lord. I know when I get to heaven, it won't make any difference. <laughs> I can't understand. I mean, here's the Lord. He's able to make a solid steel axe head come to the top and swim and float. Why don't he just bring the thing on up and put it on the end of the axe so the guy can get back to work? But he don't. He says, you've got to reach out and get it. Take your hands like that.
Come on now, take them. You remember that old song? Well, it's not an old song, but it's old, older. What does it say? Let the veil down. Let the praise begin. Let the veil down. Let the praise begin. Let the veil down. Let the praise begin. You're in the presence of the Lord. Wow. You talking about God Jehovah's in here? I'm talking God Jehovah is in this place. Maybe you're not getting because you're not reaching. The world's getting worse by the minute. Devil seems to be more devious. I know he's been evil from word go, but he's been more devious lately than ever before. I believe time is getting short. I think, this is just me, I think that a lot of people are being flippant about the Ukraine. I don't know about you. I've dealt with some crazy people. Now, the crazy people you deal with, they may just love the Lord and they may just be wonderful. But I've dealt with some crazy people that you didn't know what they were going to do next. I mean, let me ask you this. You said, Preacher, you're trying to scare us. Wish I could. If a guy is crazy and he realizes say like Hitler, that he's probably going to die, and he's got nuclear weapons, what keeps him from just firing off some over here? Oh, that'll never happen to America. We're talking about a crazy guy. Huh? I'm telling you, time is short, folks. It's short. I can almost hear the trumpet sounding. (laughs) I don't usually tell these stories like this, but I'm going to tell one this morning. It's a true story. One of my favorite preachers is Mays Jackson. He was known, he's going on to be with the Lord, he's known as a truck driver's preacher. Deep voice and kind of high-pitched and peeled the paint off the wall. He was a Lester Roloff, I mean foot-stomping preacher. That's why the truck drivers liked him. I mean, they could be running 80, 90 miles an hour and just get fired up. The true story, he was in a church in North Carolina, been having a revival meeting for a week. God had been doing a great work. And there was a man sat in the middle of the row there. He was lost. Everybody in church knew he was lost. They all prayed for him. He knew he was lost. Uh, he'd been coming to church for one year, hadn't missed a Sunday in a year, had been there every night in the revival service. Mays Jackson did something that night he said he'd never done before. Back in the 50s and 60s and 70s, every pulpit had a light on it right here. I don't care. I mean, they all did and had a chain on it. You could pull that chain. All the pianos had that same thing. Now, we've got LED now, but uh, they didn't know what LED was back then. And Mays Jackson said he preached that last message on Friday night, and he had never done it before. But for some reason, before he left the stage, he reached over and pulled that chain and cut that light off. And that guy jumped up. Oh, no! Run out the back door, screaming and hollering. A couple of deacons went after him. He was 
bebopping all over the parking lot and everything. They finally hemmed him up and put him up against the car and said, man, what in the world's wrong with you? He said, when that preacher reached up there a while ago and turned out that light, the light went out in my heart. He said, I've been out here begging God to speak to me, but he won't speak. I've been out here begging God to move in me one more time, but he won't do it. He said, sirs, I'm as good for hell as if I was already there. When that preacher turned out that light, God turned the light out in me. I, 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 I don't know. I do know this. The Bible says that my spirit will not always strive with man. Now, it's a good sign that you're here in the house of God this morning, and I pray God's moving in your life. But you've got to be drawn by the Holy Spirit. And there's just so many times you say no, 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 no. Until there comes a time when God says, I'm, I'm through with you. Not going to do anything else. That's a terrible time to come to. I'm telling you this morning, if you've got oxygen in your lungs, and there's anything inside you moving, saying, now, 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 I'm begging you, don't walk out of this place without Christ. Don't do it. Don't, hey, if you need to come to this altar, my soul have mercy. That's what these altars were built for, so that people could come. You say, preacher, if I come to the altar, people will think I got problems. Well, hello, there's nobody in here that don't have problems. Good gracious. There's just people that got sense enough to know who can answer the problems. Oh, God. Pray right now during this invitation time. Your will would be done. Not in one or two, but in every person. Oh, God, send us a supernatural visitation of your Holy Ghost that men would be convicted, sinners would be drawn to you, that saved people would come back and say, I want the joy of the Lord restored in my life. I want to serve the Lord. I want to end my life saying I've done everything I can. I want to enter heaven hearing, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Lord, speak and help us to listen and obey. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me?